I'm going to read from Daniel chapter 3. Just a few verses. And we're going to close out. Go home. Daniel chapter 3 verse 16 through verse 18. This is the theme that was given to us and it leaped in my spirit. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered, said to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we are not tiptoeing around you to answer you in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. But if not, I want you to look at your neighbor, tell your neighbor, I'm an unconditional praiser. Y'all could be seated in the presence of Y'all be seated. I'm an unconditional. I'm an unconditional praiser. I'm an unconditional praiser. I'm an unconditional. Introduce yourself to the person beside you. I'm an unconditional praiser. Praise the Lord. My name is unconditional praiser. I'm the type that don't have to wait for the praise team to get the microphones. I'm an unconditional praiser. I'm the type who's not waiting for my friend to dance. When I think of the goodness of Jesus, I'm an unconditional. Y'all be seated, be seated, be seated. you to tell no lies in this church but I want you to look at somebody and tell them I've had to praise God through some things I've had to and I'm still praising them through some things Y'all be seated if you can. call the Old Testament or what some would call the Hebrew Bible. It's a historical narrative. I don't like to call it a story because anytime you call it something a story, 
quickly people could imagine that it's fictional. But it's an historical narrative. And I believe it. I believe this is a true historical account of the people of Israel. And I'm going to tell you why I believe it. Because those who wrote the story were Israelites. But somebody said, well, that means if they wrote the story, it, it, it would be questionable its authenticity. But the reason why I still yet believe it is because who would write a story about themselves and yet expose the nuances of their disobedience and rebellion? Come on, if we wrote our own story, uh, we would have never denied Jesus and we, we were there by him the whole time. Right? But the Hebrew Bible shows us that these people are God's chosen, not necessarily special. All of us are special. But chosen mean they have a responsibility. The firstborn. Not the only born, but the firstborn of God. And that we would be able to have a picture into their lives and then see our own personal relationships with God. He says you're chosen. And Jesus says you're stiff-necked. <laughs> or you're chosen, but you're rebellious. Or you're chosen, but you play the part of the harlot. Look at your neighbor, tell your neighbor, it's talking about us. It's talking about us. When we look in the scripture, we see a mirror of all things that we are. And that's why it's always uh, funny to me when people like to sit around and discuss what's going on in somebody else's house. Talking about other people's children and what they're doing. Well, you heard Carlos and his son is in jail again. Well, you know, if yours ain't never been to jail, you better thank God because it don't mean they ain't never did nothing. I need you to look at your neighbor, tell your neighbor, we all got some stuff in our family. All of us. And, and so we see uh, Israel, God's hand is on them. But because of their rebellion, because of their disobedience, because of their idolatry, we were seeing moments that when they came from under the covering of the Lord, then the Lord would chastise them. Lord would correct them. And, and I'm thankful tonight. I didn't know to thank him. Uh, but I know to thank him now. That the Bible says God chastens those that he loves. I want, I want somebody just for a moment. Everybody won't do it. But will you just thank God for correction? Thank you for correcting me. Thank you for the people you used to correct me. Thank you for using somebody to tell me about me even when I didn't want to hear it. Because correction stops you from going down the wrong direction. Some of us, if somebody didn't have a conversation with us, we would be in a whole world of trouble right now. That's why I tell the Lord every once in a while when I'm in prayer. I tell the Lord, it's a part of my prayer talk. I say, Lord, don't stop talking to me. Don't stop, don't stop talking to me. Even if it's correcting me, just talk to me. Yeah, my mother uh, was a single parent. Uh, I say single parent. We, we, I had a whole community raising me, but uh, financially, <laughs> amen. Uh, she was a single parent, and uh, my mother was very uh, vocal. You know, she never hid anything she felt. 
Even to this day, I think our church will testify. And I know she's watching right now, so I'm going to be mindful what I say. Uh, but my mother kind of shoots from the Holy Ghost here. If you easily offended or sensitive, stay at a distance from me. My, my, my mother was always just straight, you know. You know, even when I would be real spiritual coming home late. And I made it past, and it was past curfew, and I'd be in, oh, mama, you don't understand. We was at this church, and the Holy Ghost knocked me out on the floor, and she said, it was the Holy Ghost? Wait, if it was the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost would have told you to get up and obey your mama and be at home. That's, what the Holy Ghost, that's just my mama. That was just the way she was. I, but I never forget the day I did not, and some people don't know this, because I've been a guest lecturer at universities. I've had programs named after me. And uh, at different places, the Lord has really blessed me uh, in the collegiate academic circle. Thank now, thank some you. of you think I'm bragging right now, but it's really just a testimony. Oh, Let me tell you why it's a testimony. Because what a lot of people don't know, I failed my senior year of high school. Bless I went back and finished, but I didn't complete my senior year of high school. And I'll never forget when I didn't complete my senior year of high school. And I had to tell my mother, who is very vocal who's very strong, her response was nothing. She said nothing. To the point I was like, is she going to blow the house up? <laughs> and this is why even to this day, I said, Lord, if you correct me, correct me, but don't stop talking to me. Because if God stopped talking, hallelujah, that may mean he's removed you off of the agenda. Hallelujah. So look at your neighbor, tell your neighbor, the mere fact that he's corrected me means he still wants to use me. I, I, know, I mean, I'm telling you, when God got a plan for your life, he will chastise you. He'll fix it where you can't sleep. Oh, okay. Y'all oh, ain't never had... I'm, no, no, because y'all hear the Holy Ghost tell y'all everybody's business. But you haven't heard the Holy Ghost until the Holy Ghost says, get up and apologize. Go back and get it right. Because see, some of y'all sitting here with some unforgiveness right now. And you think you're validated because you're spiritual. But the more spiritual you are, the more accountability you have to go to them. Even if they did you wrong. Even if they did you wrong. Even if they did you wrong. Even if they did. Even if you feel like they should be apologizing to you. The Holy Ghost will make you go get it right with people. Stop shouting over stuff you need to apologize about. Tell your neighbor, no tongues necessary. Speak English. Don't just run over to me. Uh -uh, stop speaking in tongues. Tell me I shouldn't have did it. I'm sorry. <laughs> just the way I preach. And we see God using the people around them. Everything from the Egyptians put them in bondage. Then we see the Persians. We see the Assyrians. But the backdrop of this text is a different people group. They're what we call the Babylonians. The Babylonians or what some would call the Chaldeans because uh, the Babylonians were part of the Chaldean dynasty. Their, their, their monarchy came from the Chaldean, Chaldean people. Uh, they, they, they were a little different because some people... When they conquer a people group, they do it by genocide. Where they try to destroy 
any remembrance of the people from the land. Kind of like what the Lord told Israel to do with the Amalekites. And if you all understood the Amalekites and the Edomites, you would also understand what's going on in the Middle East right now. Some of you are getting all of your news from CNN and Fox. You better read the scripture. Ain't nothing wrong with praying for peace. I want to lift you up. There will be no real peace until the Prince of Peace puts his foot on the Mount of Olives. Oh, y'all ain't talking to me in here. You know, have your stance. Say what you want to say. But at the end of the day, it's going to be a war between the descendants of Isaac and the descendants of Ishmael. And he still yet will be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Hallelujah. God is not just a promise maker. He's a promise keeper. And the Babylonians now come in. And the Babylonians have taken over the land. What they do, they don't kill all the Jewish people. They don't kill all the Israelites. They go among them and get the best. They get the best, the most intelligent among them. The most skilled. And they take them from their homeland into southern Babylon. Glory be to God. Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, you must be carrying something. Yes. The assault is because of the assignment. You must be carrying something. Sometimes if the enemy can't get you, he'll hit, he'll hit the person who's the closest to you. Tell your neighbor, you must be carrying something. The enemy would not be wasting his arsenal and he would not be wasting his energy on something or someone who is not a threat. I usually said this scripture at least once in every message I preach. And so since I usually do that, I will continue in that tradition and I will say it here at New Covenant. Many are the afflictions of the righteous I said many are the afflictions of the righteous. I thought if I was anointed, I'll never have an infirmity. I thought if I was anointed right, I would never have a challenge. I thought if I was anointed, everything in my mind would be all right. But how is it that I'm anointed and sometimes I feel like I'm going crazy? How is it that I'm anointed and I can pray for everybody else and I got a sickness in my own body? Tell your neighbor, you must be righteous. You must be righteous because many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord... Oh, he'll deliver and you would never know God to be a deliverer unless you've experienced captivity you would never know God to be a healer unless you ever got sick I'm going to ask a question in here and I don't want you to be a false witness but is there anybody in this room you know God to be a healer I'm not talking about something you heard or something you read I want to know do you know God to be a healer well I'm going to ask you a question how you know he's a healer how 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 do you know? How do you know? Somebody said they saw one thing and I went back to the doctor and they didn't see what they thought they see. Somebody jump up and shout, God is still a healer. God is still a healer. But I had to go through it. I had to go through it. I had to face it. I had to go through the captivity. So they got those who were young. They got those who were strong. They got those who had an academic prowess that they would take them into their empire, bringing them into their culture to indoctrinate them. It's, it's what Christians go through in China and in North Korea. 
that if somebody shows an expression of believing in Jesus, they will take them and put them in camps to indoctrinate them. They put propaganda in front of them to brainwash them so they no longer believe what they thought they believed. I need you to look at your neighbor, tell your neighbor, cover your mind. Uh, my grandmother is 90 years old and there's nothing wrong with her mind and she tells me she said well when I was young I prayed the prayer and I've been praying it ever since she said I always pray said, Lord keep keep my mind she said now I can't move around like I used to move around she watching me right now she can't move around like I used to move around but she says I got my mind I'm in my, I'm in my right mind and when I look around now, don't you look around now? And you say it's an assault against the mentality. Hallelujah. The sobriety of people. People that used to love God. Now they don't want nothing to do with church. They don't want nothing to do with God. But somebody shout, Lord, keep my mind. Oh, for the Bible declared that in the last days many will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits. I'm talking about people we grew up in church with. They shifted their standards. They changed their identity. They changed their sexuality. They changed their principles. They changed their virtues. Oh, y'all can look at me like you want to look at me, but you know what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. I'm talking about people who grew up in holiness. Now they shacking with no conviction. Oh my God. I'm talking about people who settled under this preaching and set under this teaching and now they're leading praise and worship and playing the instruments smelling like weed and smelling like liquor with no convictions there used to be I'm not saying that weed is in church ain't never did nothing but at least we felt different about it at least we prayed before we sang come on at least we said Lord forgive me but now people are wrong and strong and you bet not say nothing to them or they'll try to call you out but a sign that you don't want to be corrected is when you bring up other people names when you are challenged with your own sin Lord cover my mind you sitting up watching YouTube videos of different people's ideologies and then after a while you start questioning what you thought you knew this is what they did to some of the young people among the Israelis the Israelites, they took them and they were indoctrinated. And one of the very first things they did when they indoctrinated them, they changed their name. They changed their names. Look at your neighbor, tell your neighbor, don't lose your identity. I don't care what name this culture tries to put on you. Don't lose your identity. I know what they call you. Hallelujah. But there's more to me than my skin color. There's more to me than the area code I was born into. Come on somebody. I am who God says I am. To the point we know them by their Babylonian name. We call them Meshach. Right. And Abednego. Or how some of us said the bad Negro. But, but their names is really Hananiah. Michelle. Uh-huh. Azariah. What's the significance of that? Because Hananiah means Yah is gracious. Hmm. Yeah. Michelle means who 
is what? Who and what is like El? In other words, there's nobody in comparison to God. And Azariah, Woshah, Azariah means the chosen of the Lord, the called of God. But what they did, they allowed them to have names that were similar to their Hebrew names. Almost like it. But they took the root out of it. And when they took the root out of it, they took El out and they put Navo in there. In other words, their names that brought praise to God is now bringing praise to idols. They're trying to change your name in an attempt to change your identity. But guess what? Before we talk about what we wouldn't have never done and, and all of that stuff, you, you can't say what you would do if you've never been in that predicament. And many of us, you know, when it comes to our favorite sports team, whether you're a Washington uh, National or Cowboys or Patriots, Steelers, amen. Somebody said Ravens. I didn't know Baltimore was still in the run. Amen. Don't get mad at me. Don't cuss at me in church. Ooh, I'm sorry. All of us are professional athletes and coaches on the couch. And pastor, everybody knows what you should have did and what decision you should have made sitting in that seat. But sometimes you making decisions and understanding what decision to make with information that everybody else don't know about. People sometimes don't know the people that the pastor is saving. And how many people we're covering. And you're judging us by our decisions, but you don't know all the options. You don't know all the information. And so when we, we look at the scripture, we're going to say, oh, what I would have did, I want to let them change my name. But these young men are in survival mode. And there's some things we did. And there's some things we allowed because we had no choice. Let me tell you something. There are some things you didn't choose, it chose you. Hallelujah. Some of you, the assignment of God attracted a level of warfare to your life that you would have never wanted. That's why some of us, that's why when some people are hungry for the spotlight, there's some of us who wish we could be anointed and anonymous. Write that down. Anointed but anonymous. I wish at times I could do what God called me to do and nobody looked at me, nobody saw me. I know y'all don't believe that because some people want their picture on a flyer but what you see is popularity. What I see is a target on my back. That's what I see. I see people sitting back and having discussions about me and when they see me in public they say, hey, how you doing? I was just talking about you the other day. Yes, but what did you say? And you still got to serve them. You still got to love them. You still got to preach to them. Tell your neighbor, I wish I could be anointed and anonymous. Because the more public you are, the easier your target you become. All right, I'm finished. I'm finished. These young men 
along with Daniel are carried away from their culture, carried away from their religion, but not carried away from their God. You don't know what you really have unless you got to press in without a ham and organ and a set of drums and a trombone player. All that stuff is nice. Hey, but you don't know what you got until you've gotten a phone call in the middle of the night and you have to slide out of your bed and fall down to your knees and call on Jesus for yourself. That's why the pandemic revealed a whole bunch. The pandemic revealed a whole lot of stuff because some people, when they couldn't get to church, they couldn't get in touch with God. But some of us know I got the Holy Ghost even in my pajamas. I wish I had a help here. I got the Holy Ghost in my kitchen. Some of my best praise times is while I'm standing in the shower giving God the praise. This is why we got to pump you. We got to push you. We got to beg you because you don't do it until you get here. But we who are unconditional praises, we don't wait to get over here to do covenant. I, by the time I get here, I already impressed in to the point I enter into his gates. I'll enter with it. I enter with it. Tell somebody, I brought it with me. I know Jesus is here. Bishop Benny used to say, because I brought him with me. I know he's here. I know Jesus is here. I've been talking to him. I've been talking to him all day. When I, when I landed this morning, I said, help me, God. Give me strength, Lord. I've been talking to him all day. And I, right before I ate that Chinese food today, I said, thank you, Lord. Thank you. I remember when I, when I didn't have a choice about what I was going to eat. Now I can eat whatever I want. Thank you, Lord. I talked to him all day. Hallelujah. I was getting ready. I was getting ready to come in down the road. I said, Lord, I said, Lord, give me something to say. I don't want to just get up there and say, give me something to say. Thank you, Lord. See, when you talk, it's, a, it's an ongoing conversation. So when they were living in Jerusalem, hallelujah, they were praying at the temple. But when the temple was destroyed, hallelujah, and they were carried captive to Babylon, they still was talking. Hallelujah. I come to tell somebody, until you sometime experience a distance from the place of your comfort, you don't know what you really got. Oh, but I'm looking at some people in this room. You done been through the storm and the rain. Hallelujah. And you still haven't lost your praise. You done, I'm telling you, I cried some tears, but I didn't stop praising. I had some questions, but I didn't stop worshiping. Do I got any unconditional praises in here? Oh, no. I don't, I don't understand everything God doing. Oh, but I trust him. I trust him. I trust him. I trust him. So then. Bible says they thought it was a good idea to set up an idol to be worshipped. They were already, already an idol worshipping nation. The Chaldeans and the Babylonians. But this culture is always looking for something new to worship. <laughs> This creativity, the spirit of imagination and wickedness is still building up something else to worship. But I want you to know, before it's all said and done, every idol got to come down. 
Hallelujah. And the Bible declared, said that we're going to set up this, set up this idol. And, and, and when, when the music is played, everybody got to bow. I want you to grab somebody by the hand and say, oh neighbor, the music is about to play. And you've got to make a decision. What are you going to do when the enemy calls for you? What are you going to do when the night, the late night text message comes for you? What are you going to do? You're going to play that music. And everybody got about. And that's what we're going through in this culture. They're playing music in this culture. And this music don't always come with the sound of a keyboard and drums. But it's a pie type of spirit. It's a herd culture. When one person says something, everybody start agreeing. You got to be careful what you agree with. You got to be careful what you share on your social media. You got to be careful whose table you sit at. They used to tell us that birds of a feather flock together. Tell your neighbor, be careful where you lay your head. Because <laughs> if you lay down with dogs, you'll get up with fleas. I, I wish I had somebody help me preach in here. And the Bible declared, uh, when, when, when uh, they played the music, uh, everybody started bowing. Uh, it would have been easy for the Hebrew boys to bow because they were away from their parents. It would have been easy for them to bow because they were away from the church folk. But the Bible declared that when the music played and everybody began to bow, they said, uh uh uh, you can't make me doubt him. I know too much about him. I need you to grab somebody by the hand and said, oh neighbor, I thought about it. But I can't talk. I've come out of here to stay, Lord. I've come out here to stay, Lord. I've come out here to stay, Lord. I've come out here to stay, Lord. Until I die. I want you to get out of your seat and tell three people. Tell them, stay over here. Ain't nothing over there. Stay on the Lord's side. Stay on the Lord's side. There's trouble in the church. There are hypocrites in the church. There are gossipers in the church. But I'll take my chances. I'll take my chances in the church. Because Jesus said, upon this rock, I will. I will. I will build my church and the gates of hell should not prevail against it and the music played and they did not bow and the Bible said that the Chaldeans they said hey Nebuchadnezzar I know you like them I know they're your armor bearers I know you like them but let me tell you something when we worship your idol they don't bow but my question is uh, uh, 
I got a question. My question is, if when the music played, if everybody bowed, in other words, with their head between their knees, how did they know that somebody always stand up to look at your business and they not taking care of their own business? Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, in this season of my life and in the next season, I'm minding my own business. Six months to take care of my business and the next six months to leave yours alone. I pray for you, but my name is Bennett and I'm not in it. Nebuchadnezzar he said come here boys is it true is it true I want you to speak for yourself now I know what they said about you but is it true that you're not bowing I need you to speak to yourself and tell yourself make up your mind now you can't wait for the pressure to decide what you're going to do you can't wait for the temptation before you decide what you're going to do. You got to establish your parameters now. You got to establish your non-negotiables now. Because some of y'all will come in a room and the right money on the table will make you change your mind. You got to determine right now what you won't play for and what you won't play in. You got to make up your mind now. You got to set up standards now. Hallelujah. Yes. The person you, the next person you come in a relationship with, they may not, they don't have to be a preacher, but they got to love God. You got to set your stand. See, because what happened is, y'all say, oh no, they got to have a Holy Ghost. They got to have a Holy Ghost. Okay, if they don't have a Holy Ghost, they at least got to be a part of church. Well, at least they got to, well, they're Muslim, but they, I mean, it's all the same God. No, it's not. And Jehovah is not the same God. Y'all, uh-uh. See, some of y'all done got tensed in here. I know you got some family members. And I know some of you may be dating a Muhammad right now. That's between you and God. But Allah and Jehovah is not the same God. Our God was seated in the high place. And when we needed a savior. When Muslims want to get close to God, when they want to get close to Allah, they go to Mecca. When Buddhists want to get close to their God, they climb a mountain. When Hindus want to get close to their God, they build a statue. But when we couldn't get to our God, our God came to us, wrapped himself in human flesh. Then Emmanuel, then interpreted God with us. Tell your neighbor, it's not the same God. You got to set your standard. Because you start getting older and you start compromising. I need all the single people in this room to look at somebody and tell them, I'm single but I'm not desperate. Not desperate. I'm not going to compromise for a steak dinner. Come on, somebody. You work all week by your own steak dinner. Come on, somebody. Yo, listen. Listen what happened. 
the Bible said there were three Hebrew young men and one answer. Three young men but one answer. Go back and read it. It doesn't say Hananiah said, Azariah said, Michelle said. No, no. There was three men and one answer. That means they had a premeditated response. They already had their talking points. They already knew standing for Jesus entails that we may have to go through this. And the Bible says when we are faced with these trials, we should act like something strange is happening. Tell your neighbor blessings. Tell them bless. Look for it. Tell them warfare. Look for it. I mean, the, the church, oh, my blessing is coming. My blessing is coming. Then when warfare comes, you're like, I mean, what's going on? I've been coming to church. I've been serving God. It comes with it. In other words, God trusted you with it. Look at your neighbor. Tell your neighbor, God trusted me with trouble. Now, what you going to do? You going to curl up? You gonna curl up and get out of what happened to all that praise you had? What happened to all those decorations? For God I live and for God I die. What happened to all of that? All of those declarations and confessions are gonna be tested. All of it. And they, listen what they said. They said, uh, let it be known. We're not careful. Like, we're not tiptoeing. Like, this is who we are. Oh, King Nebuchadnezzar. We're not being disrespectful, but we won't dishonor our God. The God we serve is able. Are y'all ready? We finished now. Is able to deliver us from the furnace in your hand. I want to tell somebody in this room. That I don't care where you work at. They don't have the hand over your prosperity. Let the company shut down and watch you still eat and all your bills be paid. Lose that job and watch God open up another. I wish I had a witness in here. Do I got a witness in here? That you walked out with tears in your eyes. And now you look back and said, thank you Jesus. And I lost that one. Listen to what the Bible said. They said, they said, now, the God we serve is able to deliver. He will deliver us. And listen, they said it with confidence. He will deliver us. They said it with confidence. He will deliver us. He will deliver us. But what, listen, at the, listen at the almost contradiction or tension in their voice. He will deliver us. I know he will. I know God will. He's able. Then it says, but if he don't, now listen that's what we deal with as people who walk with God more than six months we got faith and we know God is able huh listen I'm going to have this conversation with you I'm going to get out of here you've already had it in, inside your head maybe you don't have it outside but you've already had this inside of your head all of us who walk with God more than six months we know God is able but we also understand his sovereignty and we realize he may not. No, no, no. 
in that. Let's sit in that for one second. Just one second before we move to the shout part. Let's sit in that one second. That we pray for people and they get healed. And then there are others. We prayed for and they died. Now, now, if you don't have that, if you don't at some point have that conversation, you're going to be trying to psych yourself up to ignore real facts in your life. And when the wrong situation happens, it'll make you walk away from it. Because and, and I've met people when they when they can't sit in the tension and the semen contradiction. Hold on. We put oil on there. Hold on, what happened to, I gave my tithe and I gave my offering. Now, this is not the financial condition that somebody who gives supposed to be in. Oh, no, 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 no. Train your children up in the way of, of the Lord. And when they grow old, they won't depart. What happens when you train them up in the way of the Lord? And it seems like they departed. Ah! We got to have this, this conversation. Or you shout over and act like it ain't never happened to you. But a real life experience is going to happen to you. When you pray for something to God to take away from you. And you shouted in service. And when you shouted, you felt like God took it from you. Only for three weeks later. And it started to make you question, does this really work? It'll make you question that if God was going to save anybody, he was going to save my family. If God was going to help anybody, he, as much as dedicated and committed to church we are. Wow. You got to sit in that for a moment. And it seems like these Hebrew boys understood that because they're chosen and captives they're chosen by God Chauncey and God let them get carried away captive and let these people change their names see when we preach everybody likes to preach about Joseph oh Joseph he went from the pit to Potiphar's and prison to the palace over a decade baby No, no, you made it a bullet point. But it was over a decade where he went from having a whole bunch of dreams to being dropped in a pit that don't look nothing like his dreams. And the Bible did not say he dreamed another dream. So he got lured in with a dream and then God went silent on him. And when the woman tried to sleep with him, he said, listen, he says, I can't do this to Potiphar and I can't do this to God. He said, I can't do it to the God that has gone silent. Can you still stay loyal to a silent God? Can you still worship him when he don't answer your questions? No, you can question him. Please question God. He's a mission. Just respectfully question him. Respectfully, respectfully question God all day. I'm going to also tell you that when you question him, he may not always answer your questions. Job says, God, what's going on? What's going on with me? And, and God says, Job, where are you? That's not the answer I want. That's not making sense to me right now. 
But what God was saying to Job, I'm trusting you with something bigger. This is, this is a wider, more broader situation. My grandmother right now, by God's grace, 10 years ago, I moved her in a seven-bedroom house. 10 years ago, by the grace of God. But we were sitting talking the other day. And she said to me, she said, oh, what a blessing. She says, I used to drive by these houses in Lynchburg. And I used to say, and I used to be cleaning people's houses. And, and I said, oh, would it be if I lived in a house like this? But you have to realize. You have to realize. My grandmother took her, her grandparents. And when they died, she was to inherit the farmland and the house and all of that. But when her grandfather died, that she had taken care of. And her grandmother who was bedridden for three years. And she took care of them. Her uncle had had papers written up. And had taken the property from her. She had to leave down out of the woods. All the farmland. And moved into a little town of Gratna. But she moved beside. A woman that was a holiness woman. And a church started in the basement of that house. She didn't realize that she lost something for something greater. And there are moments in your life that you will lose something and you will grieve it. It will break you. He says, I reckon that the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared to the glory and if he don't I'm not going to bow I'm going to still praise him and you know what happened the music played they didn't bow they turned up the furnace and God swept down and picked them up and dropped them back in Jerusalem and that's not what happened and if I would have wrote it, that's how it would happen. It happened, and they got thrown in the furnace. Some of you, there's some things you're not going to be able to go around it. For God's glory, you got to go through it. All right, I'm finished. But this is how we're going to go through it. How you go through it is going to be a reflection of your faith. And I'm not telling you not to be human. I'm not telling you not to cry. I'm not telling you to be honest that it hurt you. But after you deal with your humanity, you got to tap into your worshiper. <laughs> Though you slay me, can but I trust you. I'm an unconditional praiser. So I'm always telling y'all to praise God because of what he did. And you should. But right now, I want everybody in here who's an unconditional praiser. Praise him in the middle right now. Let's say, go ahead. Miriam and the women danced when he got on the other side of the Red Sea. I'm going to ask you to do something crazy. I want you to worship on this side of the Red Sea. Somebody's in the middle right now. Now, I'm going to tell you what praise is. We always clap our hands and we always dance. Those are expressions of praise. But praise is when you speak well of God. So I'm going to give you just a few seconds as we close. I want you to even tell him he's wonderful. Tell him he's a good God. Tell him he's awesome. Tell him he's gracious. Come on, just lift. Come on, come on. Woo. That's it.
Just say, just say, you're mighty. You're a great consolator. Woo! Just say, come on, all over this one. Something happens when we start using words. Whoosh, he comes down in the inhabits our praise. Come on, do it, do it, do it, do it. Raise it up in the sanctuary. Come on, make his praise glorious. The Bible says, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I pray that you are blessed by the message today. And if you want to continue to get more inspirational, motivational, and even more gospel messages, I encourage you to follow our YouTube channel or subscribe to our podcast. And today we want to give you an opportunity to partner what we're doing domestically here at our local church and what we're doing all over the world. There are ways to give. And remember, when you sow, that seed may leave your hand, but it'll never leave your life. The Bible declares to us that when we sow, seeds are connected to harvest. Well, I want you to remember that I know what it feels like to cry until you have no more tears left to cry. But after you finish crying, don't stop. Get up and keep going.